Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Galatians 4.17 They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. So Paul told them that these legalists, they were what they were doing to them. He said they were using zeal. They're trying to trick you. They were using zeal, which is a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. But they were using this zeal to hype the Galatians up, to get them excited about, yee-haw, the law. Let's go, let's go serve the law and do all these little check boxes. It, you know, it's kind of like these big old hyped-up churches with all the fancy stuff and the loud music and all the fancy gadgets to try to draw people into their watered-down nonsense. They're not really preaching a message, but, oh, that hype is there, right? And Paul said, these guys are doing this to you. These legalists are trying to zeal you up not to strengthen you, but to exclude you. In other words, they were using hyper tactics to separate the Galatians away from Paul. They didn't want them to listen to Paul. You Galatians, don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to anybody who has the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you think they're treating you really good, when in reality, they're just setting you up to fail. They're setting you up to treat them good. Because, friends, the legalists of the law that were using the law to manipulate people, they seem to always somehow put themselves up on the top of everything. They're at the pinnacle, and they were using the law to get the Galatians to serve them. He says, they're trying to separate you from me and anybody that teaches the gospel, but they're setting you up to line their pockets. Don't be duped. Don't be tricked. You know, these legalists, they were they were giving them flattery. They were trying to flatter them. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. Oh, look how you're doing the law. So good to make these people, people feel great about themselves, but they were leading them the wrong way. And if there's something you may not know about me, there's something I absolutely despise. I do not like it. I hate it. I don't like bubblegum. <laughs> okay. I don't chew bubblegum. You're never going to see me chew gum. I think gum is the most pointless thing in the world. All it does is tire your jaw out and make you thirsty. Okay. No point to it, especially if it's watermelon bubblegum, because I cannot stand watermelon. It's just the way I've always been. So I want to give you a rayism here that I call it. Do you know how flattery is like bubblegum? Well, It doesn't last very long, and you better not swallow it. The Jewish legalists were flattering the Galatians with great zeal, and the Galatians were swallowing that lie that you have to work hard to be saved. And when you believe you got to work hard to be saved, then that means Jesus' crucifixion did not fully satisfy the requirements of God's law. 
Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. Nope, God, we got to help out because you didn't finish the job, so we'll jump in and do our part. Paul says, no, you're swallowing a lie. Now, Paul said that zeal actually is a good thing if you use it in good things, but the legalists were using a phony, fake zeal for bad things to drive the Galatians away from the true gospel message of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. So Paul just painted a very odd picture here. He compared himself to being like a mother going into labor, like he had to go through pain (laughs) with these Galatians again now for the second time. He had suffered with them once before by going through an illness to preach to them long enough to see them get saved, but now he had to suffer with them again to come see them delivered from false teachers and false doctrine. But I love how Paul said, we need to do this until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in you. Meaning, they needed to get back on track with the true gospel of grace until people could just look at their lives and see Jesus in how they lived. That's why he said Christ formed in you. Paul had his doubts about them, though, as though to say, guys, look, if you are certainly saved, you sure don't look like it, and we need to change that. Galatians 4.21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. So Paul had used Abraham as an illustration, okay? Abraham had two sons. One was Isaac, who was born of the free woman, Sarah, and the other son was Ishmael, who was born of Hagar, a slave woman. Okay, Sarah was very old when God promised her a son. In fact, she laughed about it when she first heard. Remember, she laughed. Are you laughing? Uh, No. (laughs) She's like, I'm so old. Ain't no way. She's just laughing about it. But she realized she was laughing at God's promise. And so Isaac's very life was not natural. Isaac was the result of a miraculous promise that everybody thought was absolutely impossible. Can't happen. However, Hagar was not old. She was very young. And so Ishmael was born naturally in a way that required no miracle or no special promise of God. And so Paul used this as an illustration to ask the Galatians, which son are you like? If you live a life of slavery, works, 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 push harder, harder, do more, do more, then you're like Ishmael because you're born under slavery. You have a slave mentality in how you conduct yourself. But the idea here was to get the Galatians to understand that being born again by Jesus Christ is impossible with man. Therefore, their new life in Jesus could only be according to a miraculous promise. So if the Galatians could identify with this new kind of a new life that they were living, then they would have to say, well, I guess I'm like Isaac. I am impossibly born by God into freedom as the result of God's promise. So the Galatians had to compare these two different sons, 
one from a slave woman, one from a free woman, so that they could see what the conflict looked like between living in under the law or living under grace. He's asking, which one of these guys are you? Are you slave or are you free? Galatians 4.24, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Paul likened these two sons to the two covenants, the covenants of law and then the covenant of grace. The Mosaic law that was given to Moses that was on Mount Sinai, he likened that covenant to the slave Hagar, which was the law of slavery, condemnation. You broke the law, you messed up, condemned, is what God's law says. The other covenant is of grace. The other covenant is of freedom. And that was depicted in Sarah. Paul said there are also two Jerusalems. One is the earthly city of Jerusalem, and everybody at that time knew that Jerusalem had long been enslaved under the rule of the Roman Empire. But Paul said there is another Jerusalem, it's a heavenly Jerusalem above, and that Jerusalem above is free. And friends, that is the heavenly city of Father God, as stated in Revelation 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then also Hebrews 12:22. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church. Listen to this, guys. The New Jerusalem is is the living place of who? To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You have that attitude? I don't have to go to church to be saved. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Because you're saved, you'll want to go to church because the church is the body of Christ. If you reject the assembly of believers now, you will reject them in eternity. It's good to get involved with a local believing body of Christ that studies God's word and get involved with them because, friends, you're going to have to get used to doing that for eternity anyway. If you reject that here, you're going to reject it later too, okay? So Paul made a clear picture that there are two covenants, the law of slavery and the covenant of grace, which gets us into the city of the living God, to the eternal home of all those who have believed in Jesus. So Paul was asking them to consider, which of these do you want to be in? He said the Jerusalem above is mother of us all. In other words, grace is God's fulfilled promise of miraculous freedom. He just made you think of Isaac, didn't he? Isaac and Sarah. That shouldn't have happened. Friends, you're reborn again and Jesus shouldn't have happened. By all natural means, there's no way that should have happened. But God made it happen because he wants you, he loves you, and he came after you. Galatians 4.27 For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. So Paul had just quoted a prophecy from Isaiah 54, verse 1. The barren woman represented Israel when the nation was under desolation in the Babylonian captivity, when they were taken away. 
But before the captivity, Israel was likened to a woman that had a husband. So the desolate woman bearing more children might have pictured Israel when they were restored to the land after the exile. It might be kind of similar to how Israel's population increased a whole lot when they were slaves in Egypt. Remember, in Egypt, they couldn't keep the the Israelite population down. They just expanded greatly. Okay, and so Paul gave this illustration as a basis to make three comparisons from what we're about to read ahead in Galatians 4.28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay, the first point here was that Paul said the birth of Isaac was like that of a believer's life in Jesus Christ. Isaac's birth was not normal, like Ishmael's was. Isaac's birth was supernatural, and it was according to miraculous promise. If it were up to the natural odds, Isaac should not have ever been here at all. And so every believer in Jesus, they experience a miraculous rebirth of being born again by Jesus, and we get to do this according to God's promise, because the natural odds say that it is impossible, impossible for us to have been born again into the freedom of new life. Now, secondly, Paul spoke about when Ishmael persecuted Isaac, when he made fun of him. Back when Isaac was weaned, they held a special banquet for him, and Ishmael was there, and he mocked Isaac. He made fun of him. This was to depict how the legalistic Jews who were still under the law, they mocked and bullied and persecuted the true believers who had been miraculously reborn by the power and promise of God. They just thought it was ridiculous, and they teased it. You know, there's a scripture that says that the the cross is foolishness to those who are dying and not being saved, but for those of us who are saved, it's the power of God. And I've just very loosely paraphrased that, but it makes sense to us. Those that don't get the gospel, that don't understand it, they tease it. They make fun of it. It ain't natural. It can't happen. Okay, that's what the second point Paul made. But third, Paul spoke that when Sarah saw Ishmael making fun of her son Isaac, she asked Abraham to cast out Ishmael and his slave mother, get rid of them, get them out of here, because she did not want Ishmael to become a joint heir with Isaac. She wanted Isaac to receive all of it. Now, Paul's mentioning of this would help people to understand that those who are under the law get no inheritance. They're cast out. Friends, without Jesus Christ, you're cast out. You get nothing. You get condemnation. You do not get the inheritance of eternal life. Only those who are in the family of God can receive the inheritance of eternal life. You've got to be in the family. You have to be adopted as a son. So Ishmael had zero inheritance here. Paul's point here is that you cannot work under the law to gain inheritance of salvation. You can't do it. Just as slaves are expected to work, because that's what slaves do. They work and work and continue working. That's all they do is work. It's only the direct children. They get inheritance. They get the freedom. You know, slaves just work because that's what they do. So in reality, these law-chasing legalists were working so hard 
because it was just in their nature as a slave to function that way. But in grace, there is freedom. Now, Paul knew these Galatians had been converted before, so he was saying, look, guys, we are not children of the slave woman who was cast out and denied a share in the inheritance. As believers in Jesus, we are heirs. Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Friends, I want to ask a lot of people that are hearing me out there today, if you are a Christian, then how come you don't look as though Christ has formed in you? Why do you let the news and the things everybody says and all this craziness going on today, why does that cause you to hate so many people, the people that don't think like you, and even the ones that do think like you? Well, my favorite color is blue and you like green, so I guess I'm mad at you now. And everybody is bickering at each other. You know, I've seen people on social media get into a fight about something and say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to pray for you. And the other side says, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to pray for you too. You know, <laughs> why are we, that is not showing people Christ formed in you. All the fighting and the bickering and hating people and the root of bitterness that gets in you that should not be there as a follower of Jesus. It shouldn't be there. You know, my grandpa had a saying, he said, pick a side, get on it and stay there. Now, I've had the uncomfortable duty of having to tell some some people, if you're a Christian, I can't tell. I had a friend who was out there calling himself Christian, but he was fighting with everybody about everything. And I said, hey, stop telling people you're a Christian, please. He goes, why? I want people to know Christ. I said, no, you're fighting with everybody. You've got a root of bitterness. Christ is not seen formed in you when you're obliterating everybody all the time and belittling them. Stop telling people you're a Christian. You're confusing people but show Christ formed in you. And that's different. But friend, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you really have, then why do you run back into slavery again? Why do you live your life like I'm not good enough and I'm trying harder enough? Oh, if I could just make more money, I could get myself out of this mess I'm in. Friend, you're living a slave mentality and you're not supposed to live like that. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Friends, you know, when Jesus first came onto the scene in Israel's uh, New Testament days, people thought he was there to set Israel free from the oppression of that Roman rule. Jesus wasn't there to do that. He was to set them free from the condemnation of God's law. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know, these legalists, they were pushing the Galatians to be saved by their own efforts. You got you to work harder. You got to work more. You got to do this because, guys, that's what slaves do. It's in their nature to just work, 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 and no end. And so today, I'm going to ask you to live a life of liberty, a life of freedom. I'm going to ask you what Paul asked. Have you given your life to Jesus? If so, why do you keep running back into works? 
Why do you work so hard day in, day out, work, 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 worrying about everything? I got to do more. I got to do more. And you never feel like you're good enough. Friend, that's a slave's life. But if you're in Jesus, then the world is unable to blemish you. If you know your place in Jesus, you know your value and your purpose in Jesus, the world is unable to corrupt you. They can't make you feel small because you'll know your value in Jesus, that he died for you. And when people see your life lived out like this, they will look at you and they will say, that is impossible to live in a world like this and be as joyous as you are. Where do you get that from? And that's when they will see Christ formed in you. They will see a life that naturally, by the odds, should never exist. But in your the joy that you have, you'll get to tell them, but friend, God promised it to me by the covenant of grace. Sadly, there's a lot of people saying, I'm a Christian. But when we look at you, we can't tell that you are one. We can't see Christ formed in you. There's too many Christians that look more like a slave than someone that's free. We see a lot of people, I'm a Christian, but they're bound under fear. They're bound under worry. They're bound up under bitterness. They're bound up under unforgiveness. Somebody hurt them, and they won't let it go, and they hold that grudge, and they hold that unforgiveness, and they never release it. Say you're a Christian all day long, but if you don't look like one, you're not convincing anybody. As Paul said, I have doubts about you. Friends, I want to ask you to stop living like a slave and be set free. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Friends, we get to be adopted into the family of God, where he takes over all that stuff you can't fix. (laughs) Okay, think of it. You haven't fixed it yet. What makes you think you ever will? You're living a slave mentality. You're running round and round on that hamster wheel. It's time to get off, and it's time to turn it over to Jesus Christ. Ishmael was cast out so that Isaac could have the full inheritance. Friends, we who are in Jesus, with Christ formed in us, we will have the full inheritance of eternal life. And nobody can take that from you. The people that try to bully you into works, they can't take your inheritance if you've truly got it, because it's sealed in you as a promise. So, friend, I'm asking you to pick a side, get on it, and stay there. Which covenant do you want to be in, free or slave? How you live your life will be a clear indication of where you truly do stand. You want to give your life to Jesus? Follow me in prayer. Father, forgive me. I broke your law. I'm guilty. I deserve your death penalty. That would be fair. That would be just. But thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place, in flesh, born under the law, so that there would be full transference of the penalty off of me, to be put onto you so that I can be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I accept your free gift. Thank you for your covenant promise of salvation. Thank you for coming for me. I give you my life. I will pursue you in your word. I repent of my old life of sin, and I will follow your way. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.